Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from night three of our Reach Conference 2021 with Pastor Kelly Lorkey of The Cure Church in Kansas City. Enjoy this message. Oh, come on, Reach Network. Reach out to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Make some noise for Him. Man, oh man, what an honor to be here. You may be seated. Lord bless you all. And uh, I find it a great honor to be here on this special, special night. Um, can't see nobody, and that might be a good thing. I do. As uh, uh, I just had our conference last week, and it was such an honor to have Israel Campbell here with us. I went like this, thinking he's right there. I'm hoping he's right there. And uh, we had a tremendous time, and uh, uh, we had Bill Hall. I, uh, Billy, I love you, man. Come on. This guy is such a true true hero. So I have a message tonight. If I entitled anything, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. Don't start singing the song. Literally came up with that title yesterday. And before I share my thoughts, uh, I, I have to do kind of get your mind prepared why I'm sharing this. It's kind of three-dimensional. And what do I mean by that? As I'm ministering, I want you to think about a move of God, people you know, and yourself. A move of God, people you know, and yourself. My text is 1 Samuel 16.1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you've mourned long enough for Saul, for I've rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil. Go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I've selected one of his sons to be my king. This verse rattled my cage when I turned 49 years old. I know that was a couple days ago. (laughs) No, it really did. It was my birthday. And I was having this thought, if something happened to me, would what I've done for God outlive me? Out of all the trials, sacrifice, things we do for God. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. No, don't get me wrong. I I believe with all my heart, and I think we should all live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. But if the Lord tarries, are we leaving anything for the next generation? I, I, I thought about how revival started with us. It, it was pretty radical. And 
I have some dear friends here that remember when I got saved. They talk about my blue hair and a punk rocker. I talk about their hair nets and their Stacey Adams. <laughs> and some of them are still wearing them tonight. <laughs> but it was a special time in what God was doing in a group of people. I mean, literally, when God moves, you have no choice. And God always moves forward. And when God moves, nothing matters but the presence of God and lives change. I, I, I'm so blessed. God connected me under a grace where people get born again and not transfer churches. That has a heart to reach the lost with the gospel. To reach those that nobody else wants. And, uh, you know, moves of God or anointing, if you would. They're here. They have their moments. They have their purposes in history. But they don't always stay the same. When the Holy Spirit comes down and moves upon us, I, I've come to learn something over the years. It bypasses everything. Your facility doesn't matter whether you're in a large building or still in your living room or in a storefront. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter how much money you have, it, how broken you are, how addicted you are. When the conviction of sin falls upon people, they get healed, they get delivered and forgiven of much, loved much, their life changes. It's amazing when that happens. And those are moves of God. When you see that happening in a corporate body. But I've come to realize something. It doesn't always stay the same. God has moved differently. Moves of God change. Anointings change. For this time in history that we live in. I think about all the times in humanity that we can be alive. We could have been alive couple thousand years ago when Jesus roamed the earth we weren't we could have been alive a hundred years ago at the turn of the 20th century 50 no but for some reason the omnipotent all-knowing God wanted you and I to be alive in 2021 in the most chaotic time at least in our country's history the most confused time a pandemic social injustice People that are acting barbaric and don't even know their own identity. God wanted you to be alive, but not just alive, saved, born again for this time and this hour. We believe he knew us before we were in our mother's womb. He wanted you to be the answer for this generation. It's not the next one. It's not the past one. You are the generation that God wants to use to reach this world with Jesus Christ. You were not a mistake at this time. And the birthing of this fellowship is not an accident this time. God wants to use you for a last day harvest. See, the danger is, I have these fond memories of how I got saved and where I got saved. My friends in the church when I got saved. But if you keep things the same, you will miss it. You just will miss it. You'll become a yesterday move of God. You'll become a yesterday man or woman of God. And as the years have gone by, you know, we got, my gosh, I wish I had this. 
I wish I had this in my house. <laughs> but anybody remember? Anybody, anybody remember Gilbert Hanks on the transparency? Anybody remember transparencies, the flipper ministry? That was a coveted ministry. And if you had a misspelled word, everyone would make fun of you. We don't do that no more. We don't sing those songs no more. Except for my wife. She'll whip them out every now and then. But here's what happened. When the Holy Spirit moved upon us and the group that we came from, God was reaching people here in Los Angeles. Gang members were getting saved. The songs were militant. God's got an army. I know it was the bloods that stole my TV. I mean... what God was doing but things change cholos don't play handball they play golf here's the let me get right into this if we try to hold on what God did yesterday we will become a yesterday move of God it's a fact I mean, this has been historically true. When Luther broke away from the Catholic Church in the 16th century, the Reformation, the Reformation uh, uh, doctrine came out. The Protestant movement was birthed. It was great, but then it was done. It got dry, and then all of a sudden, the Wesley movement, the Whitefield movement, great preaching, and it was great. Then it died off. And then there was the Welch revival. Almost all singing. A different type of move of God. And then we had the great Azusa Street revival. Phenomenal. The first time blacks, whites, Hispanics, male, females. All did ministry. Worshipped in a Pentecostal movement. Way before Martin Luther King uh, uh, came along. There was a great move of God taking place. Where it was curing racism. But those things start... You won't find that old, you'll find a plaque downtown LA. They finally put the knowledge. It's not there no more. It changed the world because God was changing to reach the the different generations and what was happening on the earth. But each one of these moves of God have remnants. We've gleaned from things that we take with us. I think in modern times, some people might remember there was a great revival in Florida, Brownsville. There was a revival in Canada, Toronto. It was all laughter and all kinds of things. No matter what you called it, God was touching people's lives. They were great. They were fine. But when they were over, they were over. They were the biggest thing at one time. Sometimes we try to hold on to a move of God. And that's how denominations... And religion starts. We hold on to something at one time. And we stop being fluid with the Holy Spirit. And we make our traditions rules. God is bigger than that. Let me share with you where I'm coming from. In our text again. I want to look at three Bible characters. That represent what I'm speaking 1 Samuel 16, 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you've mourned long enough for Saul, for I've rejected him as king of Israel. 
So fill your flask with olive oil, go to Bethlehem, find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be king. So I'm going to talk about three people here and three different moves of God. Okay? Yesterday's move of God represents Saul. God is speaking about him, how he used him before. He's still king. Samuel is the one who God's speaking to at this very moment. He represents today's move of God, who God is speaking to right now. Jesse's son, who we find out later is David, is the next generation, the next move of God. He has an anointing, but no crown. He has no platform, nothing to minister, but he has a call of God to reach a generation. Now, God is always looking for somebody to use. He is always looking for a man or a woman that will take a city or a nation or a neighborhood or a mall or an AMPM that will lift up the name of Jesus and see lives transformed. You are the vaccine and the answer for this generation. It's not coming from the White House. It's not coming from Fauci. It's coming from the throne of God and the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You are the answer. And God tonight is looking for fresh oil. He's looking for fresh couples. He's looking for a fresh move of God. If anything, this pandemic is exposed. is how dry and religious churches have become. How fearful preachers really are. They've been preaching about healing, but afraid to pray for people in the middle of a pandemic. Afraid to stand for righteousness and stand up for the church. First Samuel 10.1, let me talk about what God did yesterday. Then Samuel took the flask of oil, he poured it on the head, and he kissed him and said, it is not because, uh, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? This is Saul's anointing to be God's man. The anointing is definitely there on Saul's life. Oil in the Old Testament typifies or represents a type of Holy Spirit upon people. And what God did in this man was historic. It was powerful for, for Saul and the nation of Israel. He was turned in to another man. He even experienced gifts and prophesied great victories and the unity of a nation for a time. But in our text, a few chapters later, the man that God called and used, God says, I've rejected Saul from being king. He had become somewhere around the line, yesterday's move of God and yesterday's man of God. This did not mean he did not have an anointing because he could still prophesy in this rebellious state. He still wore a crown. He said, matter of fact, he still wore that crown when God rejected him for 20 years. Imagine that. You get a crown by being faithful to God and God uses you and then God's done with you and you're still holding on to that crown. How can that be? 
How, how can he still have victories? How can he still prophesy? Because he was coasting along on something that God did in his life in the past. He was living off yesterday's prayers. He was living off yesterday's relationship with God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, God never changes his mind when he gives gifts and when he calls someone. He could operate, he can still prophesy, but there's no fresh anointing on his life. This explains why high profile ministers, you see them getting people saved, people get healed, yet later be exposed for an immoral life. Why? Because they can feel like they're being used by God, but the reality is they're yesterday's man, yesterday's move. Nothing fresh about them. This should be very scary for any of us to operate what we did yesterday and it becomes a routine. It becomes a tradition. We're going through the emotions but yet we're rejected by what God wants to do. So many people today speak about what God did in their life in the past. What are you doing for God? Oh man, we used to hit the streets. Oh man, we did this. I used to do this. I used to do this. That's wonderful. I'm honored about our history. I'm honored about what God did in your past. But my question today, what is God doing in your life now? See, what happens is you can't stop at one monumental moment in your walk with God, him using you and just freeze. God is looking for movements, not monuments. Your testimony has become a monument. You haven't done nothing at all. Now it's a statue. You're frozen and there's a plaque there that says, they used to do this for God. This church used to reach people. This church used to have all night prayer. This church used to want to plant churches. You can't try to duplicate the past. It's like, I think about like worship. And the worship here is amazing. But sometimes we can be, God births this phenomenal worship in men and women of God in our each generation. They usually come out of an outpouring somewhere. And then Instead of contending for God, I'm not saying don't sing that song, but we're more concerned about copying that song versus contending to make it our song. Does that make sense? Well, we're not contending for the presence. We're just going through the performance. And what we need today, and this is not we, I'm going to be honest. This, everything I'm preaching about today has to do with heaven and hell. People are dying, getting shot, getting killed, dying of the disease, dying from all kinds of crazy stuff. The world is so confused. People, your yes today, your response today, souls are attached to it. Someone's going to go to heaven. Someone's going to go to hell. Like Diga said on the other night, this is for real, friend. Right, listen to me. I'm grateful for what God did in your life. I'm grateful for the past, but the question is again what's going on in your life today do you have a fresh move of God in your heart do you have a fresh anointing a fresh relationship is your pastor are you letting your church be fresh I'll never forget it was 1998 I walked up it was we have you remember the days fast songs medium songs slow songs my wife was leading worship and I'll never forget this I went on the stage to take the mic and I fell out under the power of God. 
And I remember I fell out and my head was turned this way. I'm laid down prostrate and I'm crying. God's touching me. But you know, I'm a preacher. I've been down there a while. Tim, and I, I felt like some fat lady sitting on me. I can't get up. But, and I can't turn my head to look this way. I, I can't turn my head to look this way. And I'll never forget this. It's changed my life, changed my ministry. And, and I started thinking about, all right, Lord, I've been down here 20, 30, 45 minutes. We got to take an offering. <laughs> Literally, I was, that's how jacked up I was. And I'm, and I'm like, what is going on? I, I don't know what's going on in my church. Should they leave? And when I turned my head, I couldn't get up. I could turn my head. And I see everybody laid out in the power of God. And the Lord spoke to me, give me back my church. I am tired of you going through the motions. When you've condensed it down to so many songs, don't get me wrong, I know there's a clock here, it means nothing to me, but we have everything. Y'all know who you invited. But we, 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 and I get it, but I'm not, I'm not promoting long, but I'm like, man, what if God really moved and the power of God just flowed down and we didn't get past the first song and people are coming up like they used to, bringing their drugs and their guns to the front, coming up, getting saved, delivered, and set free. You are not going to go home early. But we've got so traditional, so putting the Holy Ghost in a box. That's Old Testament. He's not in the box no more. We don't want to live in what God did yesterday. Doesn't mean you're disrespectful or you're unthankful. I mean, this is the problem that happens in many churches. People are, they're filled, please. And believe me, I'm not talking about none of you. This is for Kansas City people, even though they're looking right now. But some churches, after years go by, they're filled with yesterday people holding positions for today. From pastors to leaders to Sunday school workers. And they become strongholds. And they're the ones that always say, we never done that before. That's not the way we do things. They, and people, they'll minister, but, but they've lost something. They don't even remember why they're in the ministry. There's no freshness. They're saying the same thing. They've always said, same word, but yet they demand the crown. They demand the same respect and honor and prestige, but there's no relevance, no fresh anointing. Again, King Saul wore the crown 20 more years. Because what he did at one time, and there are people that did great things for God at one time, and they let their anointing and the move of God die in them. The problem is they got a ministry. David, who I'll get to later, he has to wait 20 years after he's called to be king. It's interesting. Saul kept this anointing even after he's rejected. He kept his kingship. 
He still had a public platform. He still had influence. He still had authority. He, he still had gifts. Look at this in 1 Samuel 19, 24. This is while he's trying to kill David. He also stripped off his clothes and he prophesied before Samuel in like manner. And he laid down naked all day and all night. And therefore they say, is Saul among the prophets? The same thing can happen to any of us. Any of us. From the pastor to a Bible study leader to a Sunday school teacher. And the way we get promoted in God's kingdom is by faithfulness, loyalty, and our relationship with God. But you got to maintain that to stay fresh. You, have, you can't stop at that moment and, and, and let it die off. King Saul had this great beginning when he was called by God. But the time he was 40, he's yesterday's man. Time he's 40, he's rejected by God. Why? Because he abused what God gave him. He did not take care of it. He took it for granted. Matter of fact, God's a merciful God. Even when we find ourselves in these dry positions, when we find ourselves in these places of weakness in our ministry, in our life, God loves us enough to give us grace. and He'll give you another chance. And God did that for Saul. You find it in 1 Samuel 15, 1. Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over the people of Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did, how he ambushed, uh, how he ambushed him on the way when he came from Egypt. Now go attack Amalek, utterly destroy all that they have spared uh, and do not spare them. But kill both man, woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, donkey. And once again, God is showing mercy, obedience. Samuel comes on, his spiritual leader, if you would. And all of a sudden, he sees the sheep that he's supposed to kill. He sees him with his worldly friend he's hanging out named Agag. Supposed to kill him. Samuel comes up and says, Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice? In obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, to heed than the fatted rams. For rebellion is a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as his iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. When you become a yesterday move of God or a yesterday man, you become very religious. Because when he came, he said, why are the sheep here? Oh, oh we're giving sacrifice, which would be, we're going to prayer. We're, we're praying. That's what we're saying. God tells you to do something, and you're praying. You're, how come you've been to church? Well, I'm still praying, pastor. We didn't ask you that. And that's what it is. And he says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Do what God, there's something, you don't need to pray about paying your tithes. God told you to do it. I'm praying about paying my tithes. Yeah, elbow your husband. Do it right now. I'm talking about yesterday's man and woman of God still operating in a place of position, a place of power, but yet having no anointing. I mean, what could be worse? To think you're right and you're not. Like Samson, I'll go like God always did. And the Bible says he didn't even know the spirit of God had left him. 
We can't take what's happening in our lives today in our churches for granted. We have to keep this fresh, close relationship with God, which is the only thing that separates us. What we brag about, we're not a religion, we're a relationship. Saul never understood this to the end. 1 Samuel 26, 21, then Saul said, I've sinned, I played the fool, I've erred exceedingly. 1 Samuel 28, 15, Saul answered, I'm deeply distressed, God has departed from me. He does not answer me anymore, neither by the prophets nor by dreams. And maybe this is you tonight, you feel like you're a yesterday move of God, a yesterday church, a yesterday man or woman. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to be a permanent place in your life. You, You don't have to stay in that condition. Samson did not stay in that condition. Jonah gave in. David gave in. The difference was between Saul and these was their attitude towards God. Instead of holding on, they cried out. Saul became unteachable and defensive. Others cried out. I mean, David sinned. It's done. He messed up. And in Psalms 51, 10, I love it in the message. God, make me a fresh, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos in my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from the great exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. The way this happens, and I'm going to move on, is because we lose hearing from the voice of God. 98, for me, I had to make some changes. I had to listen more to the voice of God. Let him have the service sometimes. Not be afraid of getting carried away. Philippians 3.13 Paul said, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past and fasten my heart to the future instead. And if you read a few verses, he's talking about his religious past. Him being a Pharisee, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. He's like, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm pressing forward. I'm reaching forward. I'm not going to be stuck in a yesterday move of God. This is meant to challenge us. This part here is meant to challenge us. Not condemn you, but the choice is yours. Thank God for your heritage. Thank God how God has used you in the past. How you were anointed. But again, we have to, all of us, I don't care if you're a new convert. Or you're a guest and you're not even part of this network. God has a plan destined for you for you and the only thing you want to hear is well done everyone's going to hear well done some people are going to hear well done in hell (laughs) one more cook them well done (laughs) but I want to hear well done my good and faithful servant somebody say amen let me move quickly Today's move of God, what God is speaking to us tonight. Today's move of God and our text, stop mourning for Saul. I've rejected him as king. Go to the house of Jesse, anoint one of his sons. 
This is exactly what Samuel was facing to be a move of God for today. Saul represents yesterday's move of God. Samuel's hearing the direct voice of God right here. And in the Hebrew word picture, he's sitting on a rock crying about how it used to be. He's crying about how the church used to be. Oh, I miss those orange pews. He's crying about Saul. Why? Why is he crying about it? Because he had an emotional tie to the past. He was in relationship with him. He poured the oil on him. And he had to hear God say, I'm done with that. You need to move a different direction. Samuel was hearing this direct voice giving him specific instruction because if we spend our time crying about our past, we will never find our future. If we cry about yesterday and be talk about nothing but yesterday, we will miss what God wants to do now. And it's too important. Stop crying, Samuel. It's not over. I know you feel that way. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. And the bigger thing, it's scary. This leads me in the language. Samuel had been in this position for some time that God's literally rebuking him. Let me give you the East LA version. Shut up, you big chavala. Get up. Sissy. was he became comfortable in that place of crying about the past. But the only way you can stay a fresh move of God is in a total obedience to the Holy Spirit in a relationship with God. And Samuel, he had to make a decision to align himself with what God was doing in spite of how he felt. This is one reason people become yesterday's man. It's hard to face the necessary changes. He had to make a break from yesterday and cast his lot that the kingdom will continue. I don't know what's harder to be hearing God's voice. You know, if I ask you, how many want to hear from God today? You all raise your hand. You're a liar, but he knows what you did last week and he's going to say something. You, you want to hear, oh, God's going to give me a new job and money and blah, blah, revival. You know, let me talk to you for a moment. You stand right there, stand up. I heard what you said to your husband the other day. You don't want to hear from God. But we do. We'd love to hear it. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, the responsibility's heavy. L let me show you how heavy it is. And the, uh, uh, further on in verse 4 of 1 Samuel 16. So Samuel did what the Lord said. That's important. And that's scary. I have to get up. 
and move a different direction. And when he went to Bethlehem, the elders of the city town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peacefully? And he said, peacefully I come to sacrifice to the Lord, to sanctify, sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated, then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was, when he came, he looked, he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. The Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance, his height, his stature, because I've refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For he looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Samuel comes and tells Jesse, bring me your sons. The first one that comes up is Eliab. He's tall. Saul was tall. Why did he want to anoint him right away? Because he looked like Saul. He was in Saul's army. He was discipled by Saul. He wore Saul's colors. And a lot of us preachers like to brag about change. One of the biggest things I had to do when we became the Cure Church was make sure we weren't just changing a name. We called, well, we changed our, we, we, got, a, we got a logo. We got a logo. Big deal. We, we brag about change. Yeah, we, we, we painted the church. Look at the stage. And that's where Samuel's at. Right away, he's going to his comfort zone. God wants to break the mold for the next generation. And it's hard. It's hard. Because we want to. We're so in. Oh, I don't want to use that word. We are so attached to what we know. Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And then he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And then he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made his seven sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And you think, God told me to get up. And he had a plan. I went into this town. I talked to this man. Bring me your sons. Here's all. He doesn't know there's another one. At this point, when God's told you to do something and it doesn't look like it's coming through, you're going to test yourself. Did I really hear from God? Did I, did I really hear from God? I mean, here's all the sons. It's not them. Maybe I should go back to what I'm used to, what I'm comfortable and then this prophet says something phenomenal. Verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Do you have another son? There's so much right there. First of all, do you have another son? Could be taken very disrespectful. Because what if he didn't? Are you calling me a liar? But he was. Then he said, there yet remains the youngest. They're keeping the sheep, Samuel said to Jesse. I mean, and Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. We will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. 
He was ruddy, bright-eyed, good-looking, like me. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for he's the one. He's the next move of God. And the first thing the next move of God has to experience is rejection from his father. Because why didn't he bring him in? Well, because he was born out of a bastard relationship. He was looked down to by his brothers and his family. He was only worthy of doing the dirty work. So Samuel, verse 13, took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came on him, David, from that day forward, and Samuel rose and went to Ramah. This typifies what God wants to do in somebody today. He gives out crowns, but you don't get to walk in them right away. He gives out anointings and callings. And he speaks to us about our future. But we have to grow into it. And there's a lot of stuff that happens between then. No platform, no credit. I mean, he's anointed as king right in front of his dad and right in front of his brothers. They heard it. They seen it. He's the youngest. I'm going to tell you something. We need to get back to seeing young people fulfill the will of God. And I'm guilty of it. I'm trying to find a way. I got saved at 19, married at 21, and sent out at age 25. God, bring us a generation of young preachers that are in tune with what's happening. David wasn't seeking it. He's not looking for a career. He's not looking for a title. He's not looking to be a spiritual influencer. He's just loving on God. And I don't know what's harder to be today's man carrying the stigma of loneliness or facing the fears of stepping out into these uncharted waters or to become tomorrow's man waiting for God to prepare you because it's an ugly feeling sometimes. We've created this misconception of what God wants to do. Come to God and all your problems go away. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, I was messed up in the world, drug addict, everything, and the worst things that ever happened to me happened when I got saved. I mean, it's the truth. David was not a secret. There's 10 people there that witnessed this. And we would think, okay, wait, man, he's anointed. He got a word from Prophet Rob Sanchez to put him on the stage. And the Bible literally says the Spirit of God came on him from that day forward. His first chance to express his anointing. Verse 23. And so it was whenever the spirit of God was upon Saul, David would take a harp and play it with his hand. And then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Oh man, he's an anointed song leader. Let's put him in charge. Demons are coming out of people. Nope, still not king. 
few verses later, he's fighting Goliath. He kills Goliath. You know the story. Kills Goliath, cuts off his head, drinks the blood. That's how I would have told it. I mean, he kills Goliath, then everyone's scared. The king's hiding. And so at age 49, the Lord spoke to me, and I looked at my wife, and all this is transitioning in my head, this verse and stuff. And this part of the story, I looked at my wife and I said, we're the most dangerous people in this church. I don't care how gifted we are. I feel it on us, Esther. We're like Saul putting our armor on this generation to fight their giant. You know, it just creeps up on you how much we think we know everything and we're controlling. I had to make a decision and I have the greatest staff of young people and I had to shut my mouth and listen. And I had to remember the man I sat under used to always say words like, go for it. We can't put our traditions on the next generation for them to reach. In the natural, this seems like it would give David some high-profile preparation to fulfill his destiny. But I'm here to tell you, victories don't do it. Recognition of God's hand and poured oil won't do it. If you want to become today's man or woman of God or the next move of God, you're going to have to learn how to handle trials and defeat. And that's exactly what God had to do through David at this time. Let me back up for a moment. David gets anointed as king in front of his dad, in front of his brothers. How did they view him? The very next day, David, come here, his dad. Lunchbox boy, come here. Go take lunch to your brothers. He's king. He's anointed as king. No pat on the back. I'm going to help you fulfill your destiny. I believe in you. Nope, you're lunchbox boy. You're the Uber Uber Eats. Go take the food to your brothers. That's how his dad viewed him. He gets on the battlefield. Then his brothers are there. What are you doing here? You arrogant little brother. They know he's going to be the king. The problem is they never wanted to view him the way God viewed him. I mean, we see this with Jesus when he went to Nazareth. Isn't this the carpenter's son? And when you view Jesus as a carpenter, you know what you get? A chair. When you view him as Messiah and anointed one, you get salvation, deliverance, miracles, and heaven. And I think sometimes we've been around so long we don't view people the way God viewed us when we were at their place.
I mean, this went on through his life. Nabal didn't view him the right way. Every, everybody. Here, maybe this is you tonight. Honestly, I hope it is. You, you, you know God's with you. You feel God's hand. You know God's anointing. Others have even recognized God's hand on your life. But preparation is more than just public service and learning stuff on YouTube. It's much more than reading Bible college books. For David's victory over Goliath, something happened. Something happened. I was at this conference when all this happened to me. I was 49 at this conference when your pastor's brother died and I came into town to be with my friend and I stayed at this conference, he asked me to take an offering. I had no idea who was preaching. And um, I took an offering, I think he gave a word and I walked off the stage and there's this guy with a big old smile on his face and he's got these tore up jeans and, and I really treat the stagehands well. And his hands out, and I just, I thought it was a stage dude. Here's the mic. I went down, it was Landon shot. And we became friends, but that's not the point. I seen this little tight jean, ripped up pant preacher. And I heard him preach convicting righteousness. For me personally, it gave me hope because I've been seeing, you remember the ShamWow commercials? That's how I viewed every tight gene preacher, ShamWow. By my sermon, ShamWow, we can fix anything. Nothing about repentance, nothing about getting right with God, nothing about being born again, nothing about stop sinning. Wasn't that funny? You missed the window to laugh about three seconds ago. Because here's what happens. Listen, this scripture here says a lot about you. Pastor, hear me. After he killed Goliath, a song was sung. This was their song, verse 7 of 18. Saul killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. And what this he said, what is this he said? They credit David for 10,000, me only with thousands. Next, they'll make him be their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. How you hear that song says a lot about you in the ministry. Are you cheering them on that are doing better than you? Are you jealous? Are you afraid they might take your place in position? Are you afraid they may outpace you because God's blessing them? I mean, I said underneath the man who said, if you don't do better than me, I failed you. Great opposition of what God is about to do on David's life is not coming from the Philistines. It's coming from Saul. From that song sung, 
Saul never chased the enemy. He chased David. He forgot what he was in. He spent his whole time criticizing this man's future, this man's ministry. He tried killing the next move of God because he was holding on to yesterday's move of God. There are people that make a lot of books, make a lot of money talking about all the problems of the church. He lost it. He's so worried about what David's doing. He stopped fighting the Philistines till the day he died. And let me tell you, if you're going to be today's move, man of God, move of God, everything will be tested in your life. Everything. I mean, even your relationships will be tested. Jonathan, Saul's son, David loved. They were friends. Listen. His dad tells him, Saul, he's, he's, Jonathan's saying, don't kill David. He hasn't done nothing. Saul boiled in rage Jonathan, at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore. You know I love reading that verse. <laughs> I look for every translation just to make it sound like me. <laughs> Let me read it again. I lost my place. You stupid son of a whore. He swore at him. Do you think I don't know what you want? That you want him to be king in your place? Shaming yourself and your mother? As long as the son of Jesse is alive, you will never be king. Now go get him so I can kill him. But why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? You know, when you become a yesterday move of God, you will try to manipulate people and give them ministry to keep them around you. Because if he becomes king, you can't become king. How to get to David? David loved him. Let's get at his friends. David was not ready to be the king yet. He needed this actual preparation. He needed to face all of this. I hate trials. I don't care what James said. Count it all joy. You count it all joy. I don't like trials. I mean, I like, because I didn't quit what happened, but they're not fun. God had a purpose. Listen to me, next generation. Listen to me, reach network. Hebrews 5.8, though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. If Jesus had to learn obedience through suffering, so will you. If things are too easy, you never develop the spiritual muscles and the tenacity that God wants to give you. It, it, you it'll become too hard. You'll cave in. I hope this speaks to all of you that are in this position. Learn from opposition and don't quit. Every man or woman of God will have to learn from this intense opposition because when God speaks to you, Romans 12, 11, 
Be enthusiastic. Serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards him boiling hot, radiant, and with the glow of the Holy Spirit. Let him fill you with excitement to, as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in times of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Somebody praise him. Yesterday, today, tomorrow. I, I've been all three of these guys. I, I, I've been all three of these guys. I've been a young guy on the field slaying giants, God using. As I got older, I had a little bit of Saul in me, things I was holding on to and not wanting to give up. But God is my witness. I want to finish as a Samuel. I can't ever be that guy again. I'm not supposed to be. I'm not going to be here forever. Preacher, you're not going to be there forever. Don't let it die with you. Be a setup man for the next generation. Don't wait till you're 50, 60 years old. Start investing in this next generation to prepare them to be greater than you've ever imagined. Word for this network. In Luke 5, 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, he's been fishing all night. Nothing happens. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a catch. Simon answered and said to Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began breaking. There's a little bit of an attitude right here. Jesus, Peter's hard day, bringing in his boats, bringing in everything, didn't catch nothing. And Jesus says, hey, go out again. Go in the deep. Let down your nets. Peter's like, I've toiled all night. He's almost like, look, dude, you're a carpenter. Go build a couch, a table. I'm a fisherman. But nevertheless, they say you're this big shot preacher. Nonetheless, even though I've toiled all day, all night, caught nothing, you've never fished in your life. I'll go. And the Lord is speaking to this fellowship to go out and reach into the deepest waters. Don't make the mistake that Peter did. I've learned something. God's going to move with or without us. The Bible says he let down his net. I may be playing on King James translation, but Jesus told him, to lay down his nets. The story is he pulled in the net and the net began to tear. They had to call other boats, other ministries to the catch that was supposed to be for Peter. 
I'm here to tell you, Reach Network, go to the deepest places you can in God. Go to the cities that nobody else wants to go to. Lay down all of your nets. Lay them all down. If not, God will raise up other people, but God wants to give this place a harvest. Come on, somebody praise him. And that's the problem with some disciples today. And Gosh, I have gray hair, not blue. I'm older in this generation. I know you don't like hearing this from your parents. You don't like hearing this from how, oh, it used to be. I hated my grandfather. I used to buy four burgers for a dollar. I wouldn't finish my food. People are dying in Africa. Put it in a bag and mail it to them. (laughs) You know, I hate that. But that generation looked at my generation and said, you lost something. And I'm now at this generation seeing this generation won't come out of the their bedrooms are playing video games and they're 40. People are dying, going to hell. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a career. I'm in competition. I'm playing with my son. You don't even give him the remote no more. You're buying your own games. Oh, but you won't teach a Bible study. You won't come to midweek service. And you know what? And I'll make statements like that and I'll hear you're legalistic only because I told you something you don't like. People are dying going to hell. We believe Jesus is coming back. Everything's happening right now and we're sitting here. I mean, what really counts is what we're going to do after Friday. With all the money spent and all the investment, all the people trying to hear from God for for us. How many people went to hell since I started preaching? The problem is this. God's asking you to lay down your life, disciple, and you cannot give a half-hearted effort anymore. We need a God-sized vision. I'm just going to finish with this. I remember, if you've been around a long time, our pastor used this illustration. I had to look it up. Because I didn't do good in history. Some of you have. You just keep reminding yourself how someone burned you. (laughs) Is my kung fu good tonight? (laughs) You've heard the expression, burn the boats. It comes from 1519 during the Spanish conquest in Mexico. Cortez, the Spanish commander, brought his ships to shore and as his men ran for land, ran into Mexico looking for food and provisions, he stayed by the water and he burned his ships that they wouldn't go back because now they're committed. A few years ago, about six years ago, the East LA Bridge, we all heard the news. They're tearing down the bridge. See, there was a generation that built that bridge. 
And people, I was, even in Kansas City, they were showing the news of the bridge. People were partying there, lowriders going there. People are, oh man, I remember I used to make out with my ruka underneath the bridge. <laughs> I have such great memories. And so they built that bridge for access to Los Angeles. And what happened? That's what bridges do. They bring access and then all of a sudden the population grew. And then those people that came to that side of town, populated, grew. Now, all these years later, that beautiful bridge that you loved and you made out with your girlfriend, now there's heroin addicts underneath it. Now there's homeless people underneath it. Now it's dirty. It's out of code. It doesn't bring the access we need. And everyone's emotionally tied because not that generation, the next generation's tearing it down and building a new bridge that's going to be better, safer, up the code to bring access for the next generation. And you're going to have to let and watch the past fall in years to come, those little ones in the back room, if the Lord tarries, will find the call of God. And they're going to say, what we're doing in 2021 was great, but it's time to move on. And you're going to have to make a choice. It's the first generation that built you to this place now. It's the next generation that's coming in across that bridge. And soon what we're doing now won't be as relevant and we'll need to make some changes. Happens all the time. Stop mourning for what it used to be. Stop mourning about the past. Get up. He doesn't say go to David. You know why? He got to find David in faith. He says, go to the house of Jesse. You're going to have to take some risks. Quit waiting for God to tell you every little detail. You're this week, uh, you're waiting for God to tell you a name of a city. People are going to hell. Just pick one. Pick one. Get a dart, throw it. I want to go there. And I just want to throw it out there. There are other cities outside of Southern California. Just going to say that. Stand to your feet as we close. Give the Lord a hand clap if you could. You're here. I, I, you're here. You're not saved. You're not born again. Let me make it real simple. Everyone look at me. Just don't move for a second. Look at me. It's real simple. It's simple. If you said the sinner's prayer and you got baptized and your life didn't change, you said words and got wet. Because when you give your life to Jesus, everything changes. You're here. If you died right now, I don't care if you have ministry. I don't care if you're in this church. If you died right now, you don't know for sure you'd go to heaven. You need to get saved. You need to rededicate your life. I don't care if you're a pastor, an usher, First-time guest, this is the most important thing, and this is why we do everything. And if that's you, and you don't know, forget who you came with and come to this altar right now.
with every head up and every eye open. Jesus said, if you're embarrassed of me before men, I'll be embarrassed of you. If you deny me before men, Christianity's personal. It's not private. It's never meant, well, I can do it. No, no. Come, he loves you. Come, he loves you. Come, he loves you. Come, he loves you. Come home, backslider. You came for this one night, a conference. There's a reason. Come, he loves you. Your heart's pounding. How about this? You're mad at me. You need to get saved. Come on up here. Someone come pray with them right now. The last thing I want to do, there's some of you that you battle with yesterday. Your God's been dealing with you. You can't, it might even be your church. It's like you're stuck in a rut of old things. Maybe you need to be humble enough for change. Now, I'm not telling you to go follow the slickest tight pants preacher. I, I, I'm telling you, well, you have an apostle in this fellowship. They have, I, I preach there all the time. They have a thriving church. You have great spiritual leaders in this fellowship. They'll help you. But humble yourself. Quit waiting for them to call you. I need help. I don't want to die in old wineskin. I want to be a Samuel, set up the next generation, and you've lost heart, and maybe you're saying, I don't even have those people no more. If you, if you prepare your heart, God will bring them. But if you're a young person, young in heart, you want something fresh, I want to challenge you. Even though you're facing opposition, you need to answer God's call on your life. And if that's you, I want you to come. Stand at this altar right now. Come. Come, come. He prophesied over you a long time ago. He spoke to you in prayer that God was going to use you. Take a city, do something at one time. And it's been a long time, but it's not over. You've been just running from your soul. You've been running from things, but that's okay. God's preparing you. Don't quit. Father, in the name of Jesus, talk to him right now. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We're moving forward, God, for what you have for us. Come on. Come on. You're at the altar. I'm not laying hands on you, but God wants to touch you personally. That's how God touched David personally. Touch them, Lord. In the name of Jesus, refresh pastors right now with fresh vision, fresh anointing. Listen, listen, pastor, listen to me. I read this three weeks ago. Look at me. Every pastor, look at me. Uh, numbers, numbers chapter eight, the last verses in the chapter. This really spoke to me. God spoke to Moses and said, when the Levites serve in the house, they're got to be 25 years old. When they turn 50, they have to retire. They can stay in the house and help the younger ones serve, but they can't put their hands on the work, the main work. In the, in the temple, in the tabernacle, the priests had to be 25. When they got came 50, God said, you're done. You can stay and help but you have to help the young ones fulfill their destiny. 
God wanted fresh manna, fresh oil, and fresh bodies. Pour your life into the next generation. Cheer them on. I said, cheer them on. That's it. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.